All right, today we are live here with Ashley Hayes, who I am excited to interview because we were just talking briefly before. And so Ashley was the first podcast I was ever on. And so while I was a student in pharmacy school, kind of gave me that first opportunity. So Ashley's been a big mentor to me, as well as somebody that I've looked up to. So to do a brief introduction of Ashley, if you don't know who Ashley is already. She's formally trained as a pharmacist, residency trained, and has pivoted into more non-traditional and entrepreneurial roles, and has actually just launched her first book, which we'll be talking about towards the end of this as well. Yeah. Thanks, Chris, for having me. This is fun. This is my first, this is my first LinkedIn Live. There we go. It comes full <laughs> circle. I didn't even know how this works. I was like, wait, how do we do this? <laughs> so, yeah. So to do this publicly, just thank you for the role that you've played in my professional development. And I appreciate that. And you've been somebody that I've looked up to. So I'm excited to interview you today. Yeah, Chris. And I'm really proud of you. I'm proud of us. Um, I appreciated your friendship more than anything. And I just think that you're really trailblazing and I'm, I'm here for that. I love it. Yeah, I'm excited. So the first thing to talk about, I think, is just kind of like, what got you into pharmacy in the first place? That's a good question. And like, so that period of like undergrad Ashley to pharmacy Ashley to postgrad Ashley. Yeah. Tell you about it. Yeah, just tell me about <laughs> it and what it was like. And then we'll go into kind of like how that shifted then and okay. the things that shifted that. Yeah, this is a great question. I, I'm i a third generation pharmacist. Um, my grandfather was a pharmacist in downtown Los Angeles. He was an independent pharmacy owner. And, and then my dad is a pharmacist. And then he always loved his career. He took very non, talk about non-traditional. My dad was a non-traditionalist, very much so through and through. And I just always saw my dad really happy in his career. And although I never got to meet my grandfather because he passed away before I was born, I, through the stories and through just from hearing from my, my aunts and my siblings, how, how prideful he was about his career. And so for me growing up, I kind of always knew I wanted to go into pharmacy. When I got into college, that was when I realized that there were other opportunities for me. I, because I, I was like very much pharmacy centric for a long yeah. time. And then um, I was an economics minor and I started learning about law school. I started learning about business school and medical school ish. Um, yeah. But despite kind of having those opportunities and those different routes, I still decided to go with pharmacy because. I just always had a front row seat to the non-traditional side of pharmacy, which I'm very fortunate for. Yeah. I realized not everyone gets that unique blend of pharmacy when they're that young. And um, yeah, I committed to going to pharmacy school right after undergrad. And that's kind of my path. Um, after pharmacy school, I graduated from the University of Southern California. I went to the University of Kentucky for a two-year admin program. I was the first admin resident there, which was interesting <laughs> because it's a very clinical program, right? Like if you if, if you're on, especially on the East Coast, if you if you know Kentucky, it's like 
Paul Parker and ASHP and like very heavy clinical residents and clinical pharmacists. And it's an amazing program. And, and I loved my experience there, but I was so different just from the start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just always more interested in more of like the business, the operations, the formulary management, the high level decisions, um, direct patient care. Although I did it for, for several years, it just wasn't my, I wouldn't say it wasn't my strength. It just wasn't where my joy was. Like I really liked, actually it was very stressful to be honest. Like I think if you're a critical care pharmacist or if you're in the ED or any oncology pharmacist, it's you, you have a gift. Like that's your gift. If that's what you want to do and help people and and work on a multidisciplinary team. I was at an academic medical center, so I was exposed to so much. But for me, I was really always drifted to more of the leadership, more of the um, kind of the executive level decisions. And yeah, so that was kind of my early start of my career. I, after residency, I took on an operations position. I was there for a while and in the director setting. um, And then I transitioned into a consulting position for a pharmacy software startup company. And I did that for about 18 months. That company sold and my position was dissolved (laughs) for the first time. um, I was a new mom. I had like a two month old baby and uh, we were moving back to the West coast. My husband and I, when we were in Kentucky for that's yeah, it was just crazy. It was everything happened so quickly. And for the first time in my career, I was like, what am I going to do? What just happened? You know, you get a, so for those of you who have never been through kind of a, a merger or some type of acquisition, you get a severance, which was great, but it doesn't replace your <laughs> income, your right? Yeah. yeah. Or your like career longevity. So yeah. it was the first time in my career where I, I kind of had the opportunity to take a step back and like ask myself, you know, what, what type of impact did I really want to make and where do I see myself going? And that's when I was introduced to career coaching and executive level coaching for professionals. And from there, I was kind of hooked. I immediately was drawn to it. Um, and that's really where I got to start. Coincidentally, I started posting on LinkedIn. I started posting on Facebook groups about I could help people if they need support in CV review or interview prep, just because it was that stuff kind of was more natural to me. It, it, that was never really my struggle. What was more my struggle is figuring out what I wanted to be when I grew up. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I got the start. That's where RX actually was stemmed from. And then over a six month period, I reviewed over 5,000 resumes. I, inter- I started interview prepping and it just kind of all like started to bubble on top of each other. And it's been about four and a half years, I think since 2016, 20, maybe whatever that is now, 25, yeah, yeah. five, almost five years. And um, yeah, everything's really evolved. You know, I am running this business uh, full time and I'm working with clients day in and day out. And I just launched my book and um, it's been a total evolution and a total shift in what I originally thought I was going to be doing. When I first went into my PGY1, PGY2, I was like, my goal was to become like a chief pharmacy officer or a CEO of a large academic medical center. Yeah. But life happens, you know, that was over 10 years ago and life happens and things change and plans change and goals change. And I evolved so much that I think I'm in the place that I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. <laughs> Still trying like to figure it. that out. <laughs> I like, I like 
hearing you say that, like I've heard you say that in videos and stuff, the still figuring out what you want to be when you grow up. And I think a lot of people feel that sentiment throughout their career and everything, especially if they're not actively pivoting or they in the back of their head, they want to actively pivot, Yeah, but they're not making the movements to there. Yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, I'm still, I, I had this conversation yesterday with one of my clients who is a CEO. She's a badass. If you <laughs> ask me, you know, she, and I was talking to her about kind of stepping into her expert position and, you know, really showing off her, her strengths and, becoming more of this amazing female leader that she's, she's doing such amazing work. And she was just like, yeah, but it feels like I'm still a learner. It feels like I still like to learn. And I just don't know like what that looks like. And I mean, I'm still a learner, right? Every single day I'm learning something new about social media, Chris, or like (laughs) marketing or, you know, running a business or just doing all the things, but that doesn't, take away from my expertise and what I know. So yeah, I'm still, you know, trying to figure out what I want to be real, but that doesn't take away from the fact of my results or my success as of today. Right. So I think we have to like put a spin on it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that just goes down to like the lifelong learning term. Yeah. yeah. You're always progressing. Like even if you're at a place where you're happy and comfortable and yeah. an expert in something, that still doesn't mean that you're happy for your own progress. Yeah. And I think there's something about being a lifelong learner is amazing, but also taking action and taking, you know, taking baby steps towards your goals outside of being not just a learner, but just a learner. You you know, at some point you have to take action. If you're in a certification process, like you're not the expert until you start working with clients or until you start working with patients outside of that certification. Um, you have to be in the weeds of the work. And so I'm a big fan of lifelong learner, but at the same time, you still need to be applying the knowledge that you're learning. I like that differentiation a lot. Yeah. So Gary Vaynerchuk has a phrase that I like a lot. That's like practitioners always win. So people that are actually doing, and then what I tell everybody that, that I do is I press buttons and figure stuff out. And that's kind of what my day to day is. You are probably really good at that. I will say <laughs> I have strengths in that, in that range. And I have really weaknesses. Uh, you know, I definitely know what my weaknesses are in the sense of like, I, I don't like doing like video editing. Like I know that I need to do that, but I just yeah. can't do it. Like it's just not something I want to do. So yes, of course you outsource those things, but I agree with you. You have to be in the weeds. Yeah. And I think that among other things is one of your superpowers is (laughs) having a goal and then starting quickly to get there. And I think I I saw that sometimes I saw that with your book and how quickly that went from, I know it's been something that you've wanted to do for a long time, but once you kind of like set that as your goal, like, okay, now's the time in life where I'm going to do it, that turnover time, was yeah, quick. it was. That's typically how I roll. Um, I've learned to just kind of sometimes I think 95% of times it works out where you just jump in and yeah. go all in and it's worked out, right? The other 5%, I'm like, <laughs> probably shouldn't have just jumped in, but I, but you learn like, right. Those 5%, I learned 
I grew so much in that capacity. For example, like me jumping into that consulting position, like I probably should have smelled a merger. Like I, before I accepted the position, I, I should have smelled, like had my radars up about the acquisition. Yeah. But I didn't, and I didn't know what I didn't know. And that's why I do a lot of things. What I do now is to teach the women that I work with, like, listen, you gotta be like, you gotta have to ask questions. You have to use your voice. You have to like be bold. You have to be assertive. Otherwise, when you get into a role or you get into a situation or you get into a pickle, you're not going to know. Um, so I've, I definitely have learned the most when I jump in. And majority of the times, as long as I'm focused and I have a plan and some accountability, uh, it, it works. Other times it hasn't, but I've learned in those areas. Yeah. I think, so let's dive into RX Ashley as a brand just for a little bit. So you are the founder and content creator of Uh-oh, it's freezing. Ah, I'm here. Chris, are you here? Am I live by myself? There we go. I just sent you a message. I said, I'll be back. Sometimes my internet does this. Oh, so sorry. sorry. I'm here. I was like, wait a minute. Uh oh. That's okay. It's live. Yeah, that's on my end. That's but, okay. Keep going. So, yeah. So, RX Ashley, mm -hmm. you are the founder and content creator of that brand. Mm -hmm. So, tell me a little bit about what types of people come to you who you're able to help. And if people want to reach out to you, whether they're able to reach out through LinkedIn or go to RX Ashley and Ashley is A S H L E E.com. So R X A S H L E E.com. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Okay. Uh, great question. And it's really evolved over the past five years too. Like I said, I started off reviewing people's resumes for free. <laughs> That's what all I did. <laughs> And I identified through looking at these people's resumes, again, 5,000 of them for, you know, for six months, I was just doing it just because I wanted to learn about people and like how they talked about themselves. And what I realized is this gap of who we are at the workplace versus how we represent ourselves yeah. outside of that workplace, especially going when you're building a personal brand and like what you want people to mean to know you for. And I don't think employees, when we realize when we're submitting our resume or CV or cover letter or everything over to employers, they don't know you well, unless they prior previously know you, but just say, for example, they don't know you. And when you submit all this stuff to them, that's all they see. Mm -hmm. And I, and so what I would do is I would talk to these people and what I saw from their resume and their LinkedIn profile, and then versus what they told me on the phone, mm -hmm. I was shocked. Like it's just such a disconnect. Yeah. So I really took that and I helped them revamp their CVs and then they would land the interviews and they would call me back and they would say, Hey, can you interview prep me? And I was like, sure. I don't know what that means, but sure. I'll interview <laughs> prep you and sure. I'll charge you like something, you know? Yeah. And so it's really that inception of teaching professional women 
CEOs, anyone in C-suite, VPs, managers, directors, like at a leadership executive position, how to really articulate their value and communicate to their teams and to their employees and to their employers or anyone, how to communicate their value in the workplace. I've learned so much that especially clinicians, we just don't get that training throughout our medical training or through pharmacy school or nursing school or PA or nurse practitioner or dental or vets. Like there's just not a lot of communication training. And I'm sure you are aware of this in these programs, in residency, in, in our workplaces. And even if there are in the workplaces, a lot of people are uncomfortable. So that's kind of where my area of expertise chimes in as I help these, I literally hold their hands as they're going through different levels of even promotions or just being in their jobs, how to write more effective emails, how to come off more as a, with your executive presence, how to build a personal brand amongst a company. So um, that's where we're at now. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. It's really obviously changed. And I, and I have some people that work for like work for the business that do CVs and resumes. That's just not my area of focus anymore because I've kind of seen beyond that. And yeah. I see like that's more of the job transition space where I like the interview prep. It's easy. I mean, I do that every day with clients. It's fun for me. It's not easy, but it's easy for me to just like jump in and jump out and see the radical change within a two hour phone call. And yeah. 100% of my clients who have been gone into the uh, interview prep have gotten jobs. So I know it works. And then, but that's just like my. I like to, I don't know if this is appropriate, but I'm just going to say it's like my gateway drug, right? Like people, these women want new drugs. They want new jobs. They want new jobs. And so they turn to me and they're like, can you help me? And I'm like, yes, I'll help you get this. Like, I will help you. I'm confident that if I help you with interview prep, we'll get you somewhere. We'll get you to the next place. And then six months later, they're in the job and they come up with something, you know, something happens. They they don't get along with their boss or there's like a misagreement or like, they just, they don't know how to manage their calendar and they're just overwhelmed. And so I just dig in with them on how yeah. to build clarity in that. That's a cool evolution. So going from- <laughs> You like my gateway drug analogy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all the drug seekers that you work with. <laughs> job, job, job. <laughs> but I think that that just kind of speaks to getting your hands dirty and doing the resume work early yeah, on. Yeah, I hated it. I'm not going to lie. It was <laughs> hard. It was really hard because I'm such like a people person. So sitting there doing resumes, it was hard. But it was the stepping stone. It was. Which I think that's one of the hard things for a lot of people to identify, even if they want like to create something on the side or just to have another hobby that could turn into income. It's figuring out like what that first stepping stone is. Yeah. I think income is obviously something that we need to focus on if you're trying to build a business, if you're yeah. trying to make money, but also think about the impact. You know, what drove me was obviously I needed bill. I had a bills, right? I had student loans. We just bought a house. I have kids. I have family. Like we need money, right? Yeah. So that comes with owning a business. You have to get paid. But really focusing on the influence and the impact that you can have on someone's life and to experience that with them and to help them navigate 
where they start to get to where they come, where they end with you. It's really just, that's just my jam. I love it. Yeah. And I think that's a good segue because you exude confidence and you are a very confident person, which is awesome. Cause I think like, it's just funny. You know, it's just, I've been doing this for a while now, right? Like getting in front of the microphone. It's because I did all of that. I've done this, but I, you know, if you talked to me three or four months ago when I was writing the book, I was like a complete imposter. I was like, who am I writing a book? Like who's going to even, what, what am I doing? <laughs> like I have no business writing a book. I'm not an author. <laughs> <laughs> well, I published a book and now I'm an author and people are loving the book. So I guess, you know, I think that's right. That's like part of what you said before is just kind of jumping in and just doing it. Yeah. So and let's talk. But it's not, it's, let's clarify this. Yeah. I don't want to interrupt you, but it's no, not no, confidence. Good that motivates me it is the the impact and the influence and the support and the help that motivates me the confidence follows after you see the success and the results of what people gain after they read your book or they reach out and talk to you or they work with you and that's a I, good distinction yeah i think confidence is a learned skill yeah and yeah i think that's a good way of putting it especially after you like you said see the impact that you have on people that's what helps the confidence before I, you should have seen me. It was, it was ugly. It was bad. It was bad. It was, I was like full on imposter. I was like, well, this isn't who I am. I'm not an imposter. Like I know what I'm doing. It came out. The ugly side came out. And I think that a lot of people in healthcare and type A personalities, traditional type A personalities have that overcome them a lot of the time. And I, that's why, that's why these are fun interviews to do. Cause I want people in healthcare just to kind of see one, everybody struggles with this type of stuff. And two, like, I don't know, being on the other side of, of hiring people taught me a lot about humanity and what people are looking for in the hiring process and how much like the person behind a person matters. Yeah. And I think there's like a lot of just fear in general of like, I don't know, being comfortable in your own skin. There is, there is, and I see it every day, you know, I, every day I see it. And I guess one of the reasons that I get up and do the things I do and, and granted, I'm a small business owner, right? Like I, you got to start from the bottom. So it's not like I, I left my six figure salary job and I turned down multiple offers so I could just stick with this. Cause I felt in my heart, like I needed to do this. Yeah. So I think people see from the exterior or they see from the, you know, me social media or these or keynote speaking engagements like, Oh, you know, that person's got it going on. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what they have going on is they have a purpose and they have a reason and they have something that they want to help with. And so I think that's like needs to be the driver, not anything else. Yeah. I like that you show, the other side or at least try to show I try to and then it's like you have to be careful because if you look too much like an imposter then they're like no one's gonna believe you (laughs) (laughs) right you it's a balance like you need to honestly it's hard for me like I'm such a real honest authentic person (laughs) but I have to like tone that back sometimes because when you're marketing your brand and company and everything you still need to be like an expert (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. 
Yeah. It's funny when I go into conversations with people and just telling them like, I don't know how I'm going to get something done, but I'm confident in my ability to get there. Yeah. And then that's where the confidence arises. Your confidence is first. My confidence is last. (laughs) (laughs) I need more of you in my life. (laughs) That is for you. I think it's a guy thing. Seriously. (laughs) Probably. It's the testosterone. (laughs) Probably is. There's studies out there that show that. Yeah. Okay. Influential dad, empowered daughter. Good curve. Good good curve. (laughs) My book. Yes. Here, I'm going to go. Oh, you got the book? Oh, you have the book. book. Oh, (laughs) you have it. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Let me see it. Let me see it. Did you get the limited edition? Let me see it. Oh, no, you didn't get the limited edition. Look at it. So limited edition is this right here. So, you know, talk about like learning things on the fly. (laughs) So I, uh, the first like 20 or 30 books that were distributed had a misprint and I was freaking, I was so upset one day. I was so upset because I put, you know, obviously blood, sweat and tears and everything into this cover design. And then my husband's like, Ashley, it's a limited edition. Like those people who got (laughs) those 30 covers, they're lucky. I was like, yeah, they're lucky. (laughs) The video that you made of the Amazon delivery driver coming (laughs) Oh that my gosh, that's awesome like, video. everyone, I got like, I don't even know, last time I checked, it's like over 13,000 views. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's like the viral content that like- I think it's going viral. I'm like, yeah, wait, it, it was just fun for me. Right, if you didn't know better, like, I did not know videos better. that people stage and stuff, but like- Yeah, no, that was not staged. That was me. I like, I wish I would have, I wish you guys could have seen what was to the right of me was my dog and my daughter and my, <laughs> my neighbor my like 10 year old neighbor who was playing with my daughter. And now I wish like I would have had my neighbor record it cause I would have been in it, but it's just my voice. <laughs> but yeah, that was real. That's funny. Okay. Tell me about the inspiration, why you chose to write it now. Yeah. And all that. Okay. So the inspiration of the book was multiple fold. My dad very suddenly passed away 10 years ago this year and uh, in the middle of pharmacy school. And it was, terrible. It was really, really hard. I took six months off of school to like recover and just, it was just a rough phase. One of the last conversations we had together was he made me promise him that, you know, I would don't forget about all the stuff we did together. And I was, so I did that. And then, you know, and then I, you know, life happened. So I got married. I finished pharmacy school. I got married, did residency, moved to Kentucky, bought a house, had a baby, bought another house, you know, job changes, everything. It's just, it just wasn't a priority. It wasn't something that I was prioritizing. Cause I was like, okay, yeah. I'll do it later. I'll do it another time. I'll do it another time. Well, then his 10 year anniversary came up and I was like, well, sh- I gotta do this. Like it's, yeah. it's, I have to do it. Like it's time. And I started writing a book in 2019, 2020. And, um, I was like, no one's going to want to read about me and my dad. Like that's boring, right? (laughs) Like no one cares about the stories between my dad and I, maybe my family and friends would, but I wanted to like help more people. So then it was just the time around Kobe Bryant had passed away and I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan, love Kobe Bryant. And then just like this girl dad thing happened and the hashtag went viral and it was just this huge phenomenon. And I was like, listen, what if I created actually one of my friends and I went away for a weekend and she was, she actually put it in the, she was like, why don't you create a book for dads? And I was like, what? 
that's so weird. Like who, who am I? I work with women. Like I don't, who do, why would I tell dads what to do? Like, that's not my area of expertise. But then I started thinking about it and I was like, well, what if I took a stance of, because I work with women, I am a professional woman. I know what's going on with their minds and their heads because I talk to them every day. Why don't I put a spin to the book of teaching dads the tools on how to empower their 21st century daughter? And I got, yeah. I got chills just thinking about it. Yeah. Like it was just this perfect combination and cultivation of being able to explain experience myself having a very influential father figure, him tragically passing away, me wanting to talk about that experience and like what it's meant. Talk about confidence. I think one of the things that my dad taught me is confidence is a skill and like how to learn how to be confident and how to be brave and bold and just go for things. And I think that influence came from my dad. And so the first, you know, 20, 30 pages about the book is really about my experience with an impactful father, but also like why impactful fathers are so important. And I think it's like yeah. this, there's so many mom blogs out there and like mom groups and mom Facebook groups. And I just think that dads sometimes don't have a voice. I think yeah. they get left behind. And I'm just like, no dad, you need to step up even more right now. <laughs> Here is how you do it. Let me write it in a 130 page book and give it to you. Yeah. And that's what I did. And that's the whole reason why I wrote it is to continuously help women, but like in a weird roundabout way. <laughs> I love that. That is a beautiful paradox that I didn't even like completely put together. And so here in your Yeah. So basically like I'm still career coaching, executive level coaching women, <laughs> but it's, I'm putting dad in that role. So like yeah. one of my goals is really that women don't need someone like me in their in the next 50, 100, you know, 20, 30 years. Like I, I hope that women have it all figured out yeah. where they don't need someone like me. That's great. That's a success story if you ask me. So what I'm doing is giving dads the tools on how to do that. And it's not all about career coaching. It's about how to raise ambitious, motivated, you know, happy daughter. Yeah. You're influencing the two to eight year olds right now. Uh, it's and then a lot of the feedback is like it's not just for young kids and that's another thing great point yeah. is i started doing my book research and it's all about like a lot of girl dad books or dad books is about like young daughters and yeah, how to yeah. be a superhero and i'm just like yeah women don't need that like we need yeah. realness we need communication we need like actual tips on financial literacy and like how to have an ambitious career and how to be in a good relationship and so after my book research too, I was like, yeah, I need to write a book that's more geared towards not just adult relationships with fathers and daughters, but like not just daughters being this cute little girl and right, princess yeah. with a cap and a cape and then the dad being a superhero. Like, I don't yeah. think that's what we need right now. Yeah. That's a good distinction. Women need like the tools on how to be badass and like what better way to teach them than through their dad. And what better way through a badass like you? <laughs> I'm just a vehicle. <laughs> I think that is a good way to transition and wrap up. And so in the link of this post, I'll have the link to Ashley's book. Thank you. I'll have the link to rxashley.com. 
Yeah. And then I'll have your Instagram handle as well. Yeah. I'm really trying to be a little bit more strategic on Instagram. So yeah, you'll yeah. see, like, I need to get my life together on that platform. But uh, yeah, LinkedIn, Instagram. And um, I appreciate that, Chris. Thanks for, thanks for that. Yeah. Do you have any final words to leave pharmacists with? Ooh. Oh gosh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I just think pharmacists have so much power and so much, they're so smart. We're so smart. You just got to use your smartness in a way that is focused on impact and not just focusing on pushing pills. Like there's so much for us to do. And I, I have this vision for pharmacists and I'm just waiting for everyone to like jump on the vision. Right. And it's just about getting the right people on the boat, but I will say that I am very proud of you, Chris. I think you are going to move mountains and you're already doing it. And if not that everyone needs to be an entrepreneur, not that everyone needs to start their own business. Cause I, I do think business management and entrepreneurship is not as sexy as everyone thinks it is. Maybe. Yeah. I, I do think that you have a vision and that when you have an idea, you go for it. And I, I, I wish a pharmacist would kind of take that route a little bit more. That yeah. would be like goals. I love it. And I appreciate to have you as a friend and a mentor. And I'm excited to grow together over the next decades. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Thanks, Ash. Thank you.